Hello, friends. Welcome to my podcast, The Deeper Daily Podcast. For the seventh day of December, I'm your host, Paul White. Paul White Ministries brings you nine audio drops a week. Seven days a week is this version, The Deeper Daily Podcast. Sometimes we call it the DDP for short. It's a walk through the Bible, different stories from the Bible, different books of the Bible. And then on Wednesday and on Sunday, we put out a full-length sermon. Wednesday sermon is usually our midweek Bible study in Flowery Branch, Georgia. Our weekend sermon is a full-length sermon from our travels or from just a, a sermon that we've recorded for our audience. I try to put a lot of material out so that you have something to supplement your diet. I do believe we're just a supplement. I know that you're reading on your own. You're praying. You're seeking the Father. Hopefully, you're involved in a local church of some sort. Whatever that looks like, traditional church, some people call it organic church, uh, but a group of believers whereby you can be both challenged and encouraged. This is a vital part of your growth. So what Paul White Ministries does then is just supplement, give you a, a, a little different taste, give you something to help you out through the day, and I hope and pray that we can do that and do that effectively. That's my prayer. It's what we desire to do. It's what we're striving to do. I'm in Genesis chapter 15. We've been dealing with the Abrahamic story, and we're right up on the moment where Abraham has brought the bull, the goat, the lamb, the pigeon, and the turtle dove to God. These will be repeated in the Levitical offering code. And in Genesis 15.10, he brought all these to God and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And that not cutting the birds in two becomes a, that becomes codified in the law in Leviticus 1 when it starts to break down what you are to do with the offering. You, you don't cut the bird in two. Um, there's a chance, this is a long shot, but I'm going to address it anyway. There's a chance that if you followed our ministry for a long time, way back a decade or more, um, that you might have heard me preach many years ago on the Levitical offerings, and I was ministering from a grace perspective, but i don't not crazy about this hermeneutic, and that's why I want to bring this up. Uh, I would minister on the sacrificial offerings, and I'd make the comment that if you looked at the offerings from a Leviticus 1 standpoint, that you could bring a bull, you could bring a pigeon, you could bring a lamb, you could bring a goat, and I equated what the blood covered based upon the size of the sacrifice, so that the sacrifice worked, but that there was more coverage if you brought more. And I used that as an illustration that the blood of Jesus works whether you come with a bull or a goat or a lamb-sized quantity, but that if your revelation of His blood was big, you would have favor in more areas. Um, I don't I don't adhere to that hermeneutic, and I'll tell you why. First of all, it's contextually incorrect. The, the offerings were not given based upon revelation. They were given based upon finances. So if you didn't have much, you still had a clear path to the same thing. And if my old hermeneutic was correct then if you brought a little, you had a little revelation. If you brought a lot, you had a lot of revelation. If that's correct, then Joseph and Mary had a little revelation uh, because they brought a pigeon whenever it was their turn to go to the temple. Uh, pigeons and turtle doves. So I, 
I think I, I was being, I, I thought that what I was doing was expanding the power of revelation that if you truly believed God loved you and you had a big revelation of the finished work, then you would see favor overflow in different areas of your life. But if you had a small revelation of God's, of his love and his finished work, then you'd have a, a small overflow. And I don't believe that the blood is dependent on your ability to have revelation. The blood works, whether you have a big revelation of the blood or a small revelation of the blood. And I also don't think that we should equate our size of faith with the size of an Old Testament offering. I know I could have got by without even talking about that because odds are you haven't went back that deep into my material, and or even if you have, you forgot about that. But I kind of hammered away at that for a while, 10 or 12, 13 years ago. A lot of that stuff was out there. And that was in the era when I was on television and satellite television nationally. And so there was probably some of those that floated around. Um, but I just want to address that. I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy that believes that there's some, it's some form of um, you know, backsliding to admit that you would say something differently now or to disagree with an old stance that you've taken. In fact, I, I kind of feel it's the opposite. If you have self-confidence and you know in whom you believe, you shouldn't have any problem repenting. Shouldn't have any problem changing your mind going, not really sure that was right. And it also keeps you from living and dying on hard stances. So you go, well, this is the way that it is. I'm not going to be persuaded any other way. And some people perceive that to be a sign of weakness. It's like, well, if you're not, if you're not able to take a stand on it, then how do you ever know you're right? The reality is, is it's not about being right. It's about progressing in the knowledge, the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Okay, I got a couple more minutes I want to use today. I don't have a time on these pods, but I do find myself sort of settling in around 7, 38, 39 minutes, somewhere in there. So usually if I'm short of that, I'll try to throw one more thing at you. When we read this 10th verse of Genesis 15... That we've gotten distracted, I think, by the size of the offerings, but I want you to notice really what that 15, what that 10th verse is trying to show you is that he cut them down the middle. We don't know what this means if we only look at the scripture in front of us, but if we allow a little bit deeper into the Bible to help us, uh, then then we 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 land on something. And so Jeremiah 34. Verse 18, and I'll explain the context in a second. Let me read the verse. I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me when they cut the calf in two and passed between the parts of it, the prince of Judah, the prince of Jerusalem, etc., etc. Contextually, Israel has been treating their slaves treacherously. We can make an argument that the Bible... Yes, falls on the side of slave owning is allowed, but you can't make the argument that mistreatment was allowed. And it's worth wrestling as to where the New New Testament ends and that whole issue of slavery, but I don't want to get in the weeds. What that Jeremiah passage is showing us is that it was common knowledge by the end of the Old Testament canon that to cut a covenant, you cut an animal in half and you walk between the pieces. 
Tomorrow, I want to explain that ceremony a little fuller. If you're interested in some pretty in-depth material in this, I recommend my 2013 book, Between the Pieces, What Really Happened at the Cross. You can get that at our website. We're going to go into what this whole ceremony meant over the next few days because it has great implications for us under a new covenant. Because remember, blood has been shed for us under a new covenant. We'll get busy on this tomorrow. I'll see you then. God bless.